Hey, this is Mike Frailer, and I'd like to welcome you to Mavs Archives, a new Mavs history podcast, part of the Mavs Podcast Network. If you've been following the Forgotten Maverick podcast over the past couple of years or listening today for the very first time, I'd like to say thanks for your support, and I hope you enjoy listening to former Mavs and other notable guests tell their story. This episode features former Mavs equipment manager and assistant strength coach Chad Lewis. Chad was on hand with the Mavs from 1996 to 2002 during a time when the Mavs experienced more change than probably any other team in the NBA. Thanks for listening, and now here's Chad Lewis. Hey, Mike, you there? Yeah, Chad, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for calling into this tonight. I really appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. I'm sorry I missed it the last time. How long have you guys been doing this? Um, I've been doing it close to two years. It's been a lot of fun. You know, it has its ups and downs in terms of being able to book guests and things. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've, I've recorded something like, or I've posted 46 episodes, I believe. And yeah, yeah I think I stumbled across you on Instagram, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just a video of the guys. I don't, somebody who I worked with, I'm like, man, I hadn't thought of that dude in forever. Like, <laughs> That's cool to see that he's doing all right. Like, uh, and then I start, so I started following you. I was like, oh, cool. I think you had Bruno on not that long ago, and yeah, maybe Anstey and um, George McLeod, like some guys. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. And um, I teach now, and it's funny. I was like, hey, I'm going to be on this thing, uh, and they're like, forgot Mavs. Everybody forgot about you, Mr. Lewis. I'm like, come on now, it's not like that. <laughs> No, that's hilarious. But, yeah, but they get a kick out of you know being able to talk to me about you know what I used to do and hearing some stories. And I got a shoe project that they're working on now, and I brought in one of Shaq's shoes to show them, and they're all freaking out because you know <laughs> it's not your average human shoe. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so I appreciate you guys having me on. I think it's pretty cool what you're doing. And thanks. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. It's uh, you know, just a huge NBA fan, huge Mavs fan, born and raised here in Dallas, and uh, yep, I just. I've always loved the team, and I think about a year ago when, when Chris Anstey and Martin Mirsev were in, here in Dallas, I got to hang out with them that afternoon. I think they may have met up with you that, that evening. Yep, I met up with them at one of the country bars, and they were riding <laughs> uh, the mechanical bull, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I've, we're not around giants all the time. Like, you forget how big these guys are, and I'm like, and Martin's hilarious. I mean, I don't know. He he can kind of be a little more quiet, reserved, but he's got a big personality when when he's comfortable. And you know, Chris is Chris is just nice as can be. And um, you know, I had him as a rookie, and um, then his second year, we did a couple of summer leagues with him, and um, <clears throat> they were both just so much fun to work with, and a um, lot of lot of great stories with those guys. And it was great to see them, you know, especially um, I. I had stayed in touch with Chris a little bit more. He's a little easier to get in touch with. And, you know, Martin was still all over the place and trying to play and Chris mm-hmm. had settled down a little bit more with family and everything. But um, yeah, it was, it was great to see them. We had a, we had a good time. Yeah. I had a, I had a really good uh, afternoon with them um, whenever they were here. And that was just, that was really cool for me because they uh, like, they, I mean, anyone that talks to me, including you, like, I mean, you, they don't, owe me anything and the fact that they let me know they were coming to dallas and invited me to come hang out with them that just that was so fantastic i loved it yeah that's uh that's very cool and they're great guys and you know the more you're around it you realize there's a lot of a lot of really good guys and then there's some that are just difficult to you know deal with but it doesn't make them bad people it just they're a little more challenging and 
Um, but, you know, in all the years I was here in Dallas, man, I think we were really, really blessed to have some great, you know, stand up guys. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when, when, when is your era or like what, what's your age range like you, when you started watching them or you became a Mavs fan? So I started, I'm 33, just turned 33 last okay. week. And so I, I started following the Mavs around 95. So right, right around when Jason Kidd was a rookie, um, yep. that's, that's when I started to become really like basketball conscious and following the sport. So, so about right a year before I got there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> So you'll remember Hubert Davis for the Knicks and man, yeah. I mean, the nicest guy you'll ever meet and, you know, never curse, never like just super, just unbelievable person. Um, and he had been with a few different teams and he's like, you know, Chad, I love it here. We have, you know, we're not winning a lot, but we have great guys and I can see this thing, you know, turning around and we had the lockout and, we only played 50 games that next year and mm -hmm. we didn't make the playoffs, but we were right in the hunt for, you know, we, we, we won a lot of games for it being a shortened season. Um, and then the next year is when we made the playoffs and beat Utah. And, um, so it, it he, he was right in that we had a chemistry and some really great guys that enjoyed playing together and enjoyed working together. And I think that, really helped with that whole turnaround process and um everybody's all you know i don't know perception you know you get a few athletes that do the antonio brown type deal mm -hmm. and everybody wants to lump them all into one and um they're like so who's the jerks like how many you works with a bad guy i'm like you know what never had a problem with one you know, uh, Michael Phelan got mad at me once because he got fined for not doing what he was supposed to do, but he knew it was on him and we were cool. Like, it's <laughs> just, it's a, you know, it's not, it's not always a bunch of, you know, prima donnas or knuckleheads that you got to deal with. There's some really solid guys out there that were, you know, a lot of fun to work with. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that they actually listened to me and did what I asked and allowed me to, you know, continue my career here for six years. So, yeah, um, that's yeah that's fantastic um yeah so you know i yeah i'm excited to talk to you and hear a little bit about about your story so i know you know when i was doing just a little bit of research on you obviously you mentioned you were with orlando a little bit and then with the nets but you know what what got you into uh into the nba back uh in the mid 90s you know what 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 transpired for you to to get your foot in the door yeah, so like you, I was a fan, and I, I played in high school, had some knee injuries, and probably, you know, may have played a little bit or, you know, made a college team, but it really wasn't worth it at that point because it wasn't going to be my career. So um, I decided I, I wanted to coach, and honestly, I just um, – I kind of felt like if you're going to do it, shoot for the top, and you can always coach high school, but – you know, see what's out there. So obviously this is no internet and, um, no emails or, you know, instant access. So I, um, I wrote every NBA team asking them what kind of experience, if they had any internship opportunities available and, 
in the uh, basketball operations side because, you know, I wanted to be hands on and maybe coach, maybe be an athletic trainer. I wasn't really sure. Um, just kind of want to see what was out there. And basically Orlando and New Jersey um, are the two teams that wrote me back who had internships. And um, I think it was the Golden State Warriors that wrote me back that said, we don't have anything like that, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, spent a few little, a few bucks on some stamps and, you know, it was probably a month or month and a half long process to get the letters back. But, you know, they, they did write back and I flew up to New Jersey for the, uh, for an internship and it was basically all office. And the lady that was interviewing me, I just said, you know, I'm really interested in the basketball operations side. You know, has anybody ever worked with your trainers or, you know, I hear that some teams have strength coaches, some teams don't, you know, helping out your coaches because I'm probably going to coach high school basketball. Like, would that be a thing or has that ever, you know, been available? She's like, well, no, but I don't mind asking. I'm like, well, that'd be great. And she called me back like a week later. I was like, our trainer said he'll use you. And I'm like, cool. So I took a semester off of school, went up to New Jersey. And I mean, I'm in a junior in college. And a week later, I'm flying on a team plane all over the country for preseason games like pinch me and wake me up what's going on right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know is this real what's happening like um but it all happened super fast and i just basically said you know what i got an opportunity right here i can make the most of it and let's see what happens and i when we landed in the uh, you know in whatever city we landed in i was the first one over to the arena talking to anybody that would talk to me introducing myself um uh, making as many connections as possible I think that internship with uh, New Jersey and being able to travel because they didn't have an equipment guy. They just had a trainer mm -hmm. and a strength coach and they had just hired the strength coach. And I think about five teams or six teams had strength coaches that year. So it wasn't even a thing that most teams had. And one was a former player that lost 200 pounds. So they gave him the job. And one was, uh, 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 what's his name? He was the coach at um, Indiana and Philly and uh, Brown. Oh, Larry Brown. Yeah. Larry Brown. He, their strength coach was his bodyguard. So you kind of just, if you had a guy that lifted weights, they gave him a job. There wasn't, a, you know, any degrees <laughs> or certifications for it. So, um, but the Nets had a strength coach and a trainer. He's like, you're going to be my equipment guy and you're going to help me out on the road. So I was traveling. And um, when I was went to Orlando, I man, went and spent as much time with their strength coach as I could. And, he ended up giving me an opportunity the next year to work with um, that magic team that went to the finals. So obviously, you know, it was one of those things that I was focused on the career, but it was dream job for me to be getting that experience and working with Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway and Nick Anderson and Jason Williams in New Jersey and Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson. And I, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Um, Chuck Daly, you know, was, coached in New Jersey when I was there, Brian Hill in Orlando, um, you know, sitting courtside with Jordan. And I became friends with Rick Mahorn. And he told me one night when we were in uh, Phoenix, he's like, you're going to dinner with me tonight. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and it was the weekend. It was like right before all-star weekend. And uh, Chicago had played in Phoenix the night before we stayed after our game. Cause it was a late game before we flew back. Um, walk in places packed little pool hall and velvet rope come to the velvet rope they remove it for rick 
and Rick and I get on the other side of the velvet rope. Nobody but Rick, Mike, and uh, Charles. And Charles Barkley was my favorite growing up. So I'm like, oh, wow. What? And everybody else was like, you met Jordan? I'm like, yeah, I met Barkley. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we sat there and played pool all night. And I don't, I mean, it's like one of those experiences that I'll never forget. And I was just, I was still in college at the time. But I really used the opportunity to network, meet as many people as I could, not just players, but coaches and trainers and equipment guys and strength coaches. And New Jersey wanted me back um, up there to to be their equipment guy and I wanted to do strength and conditioning and they hired another strength coach when I was up there. He was unbelievable. Great guy. Learned so much from him. And, um, they had that coaching change when Calipari came up there mm-hmm. and he, um, Cal brought in his own strength coach. So he fired my buddy who was amazing. So I was already a little salty about that. And Cal basically told me I could keep my job, but there wasn't going to be much of a raise, uh, but I can stay. I'm like, you know what? I got to go. This is probably not where I need to be. And mm-hmm. came to Dallas and Roger Hines, who's now the Knicks trainer was with Atlanta. And then he was the Mavs trainer at the time. Well, being on the East, you know, uh, East Eastern conference team, I knew Roger and called him as soon as I got here. Hey, man, if you need anything, let me know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come around if that's cool. I try to just be around and be available, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, about, Five months, three or four, five months later, Nelly came in and basically did the same thing. Just kind of cleaned house. Roger calls me. Can you go to Utah tomorrow? I'm like, sure. Why not? <laughs> I was personal training and kind of made my own schedule. So I was like, cool. So went up, spent the night in the locker room trying to figure out where everything was and what was going on and what happened and what's what and flew to Utah. And then I guess the rest is history. So that's kind of the long and short of it, how I got in, you know, I started out as a fan and had a passion for basketball. Um, I still love the game. Um, I'm kind of got all the coaching and that out of me for the most part. Mm -hmm. I teach high school now and I've got several of the basketball kids come up and I put them through, you know, little workouts after, after their workouts and um, show them stretching routines, you know, a few things that I did with the guys and they think that's cool. And that kind of keeps that little bit that I need mm-hmm. um, and it keeps me involved in the game. And, um, but that's, that's really it. Just kind of like you, I just had a passion for the game and um, knew that I could always come down to the high school level, but thought if I can work in the league, that would be unbelievable. And just kind of made it happen and networked and networked and met people and kept, kept going until I got there. That's that's really cool. And thanks for yeah. going into to detail about how yeah. that all happened for you. I, I really appreciate it. So obviously I wanted to talk to you about, about your Mavs experience and, you know, you were here six years and, you know, a lot changed in those six years. Like I can't even. A lot. Like, yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, you were there at the last few years of reunion arena, Jim Clemens, Frank Zaccanelli, Nelly coming in, all that. Um, Cuban know, uh, coming in. Yeah, that was, yeah. uh, that was crazy. a lot of a crazy time. A lot of stuff. I felt like it was almost, I think about like my first three years, we had three owners and two coaches and two GMs or three. And, <laughs> you know, people were leaving and coming and going and coming back and leaving. And like, it was definitely uh, a crazy time. And then the lockout as well. So um, there were, it, it was definitely a, a crazy time, but, Everything that happened during that time, I think, was a building block to get to respectability and to get to 
a place where ultimately Mark wanted the team to be. And, you know, I always felt like, you know, the city and Dallas always supported their team, you know, as mm-hmm. bad as, as bad as we were for a long time, they still had fans coming to games, you know, like they, they, they wanted it really bad. And you knew that if you could just put a good product out there again, like when I was growing up, it was row and, uh, harp and, um, Brad Davis and those guys. And you love going to games cause they put it all on the line and they played hard and, um, they won a lot of games and did really well. And to, like you knew that the city would just explode if that ever happened again. And I think, you know, the, the perfect storm of Steve and Dirk and Finn, you know, that really kind of ignited things around here. You know, we changed uniforms during that time as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We built a new arena, which was a cool thing to be a part of. And uh, they allowed us to be very hands-on with that because we see every arena and we kind of know what works and what doesn't work and what might be, you know, helpful and, give us an edge and it was cool to be a, a, a part of that and change over from champion to Nike and um, man, just so many great people and so many great memories. And uh, um, yeah, like I said, I think as with all the changes, every move that was made and every change that happened, um, you know, sometimes you get lucky with those things. Sometimes it's, you know, thought out and it works out the way you wanted it to. And, you know, you just, there's so many different variables in, in the league with injuries and personalities and all those things that go into it that you can't always predict it, but you can see that each step there was, there was a end goal in mind. And, um, obviously they, they won their championship in 2011 and, um, which was an amazing run for those guys. And nobody deserved to get a ring and to win a championship more than Dirk. I mean, the kid from the day one, he showed up was, the hardest worker and did whatever you asked. And then some It's like, there were some times you had to kick him out of the gym because he didn't want to go. <laughs> like, dude, I can't stay here all night. Like we've already been up here three times a day. Can we go please? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, and you know, once, once you get that and, and, and you're able to make that your culture, it, it becomes contagious. You know, I think losing can be contagious and so can winning. Oh, and yeah. those guys, yeah. So they just they find they got guys in there that worked hard and knew what it took. You know, maybe not at a professional level, but these guys have been you know winning at every level. And um, Nelly did a great, great job with the guys, and you know really um, had a big influence on where they got to. And it's actually kind of funny. Rick Carlisle was the first coach I had in New Jersey. He was an assistant under. Um, um, Chuck Daly. Oh, wow. Okay. So I've known, I've known Rick since 93. So, um, I've seen her at a couple of games and said hello. It's just cool that kind of, you know, the whole circle, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, but yeah, he's a great guy. And he, um, obviously helped get them to the next level and, and really took that team. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to be a part when the whole thing was kind of shaken up and revamped. And it's just been, I think a lot of positive since then, Please. No, no more 13, 14, 15, no more teen win seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've got a uh, a few uh, Maverick-centered questions I wanted to ask you. Okay. So and these are just things like, like I said, I'm a lifelong fan. You could call me a, a Mavs nerd. That's pretty much what I am. Just things that I, I think about and I notice. And I just, I wonder yeah. if um, maybe the logistics behind it. So there's one thing I've come across. And I actually, I remember when it happened mm-hmm. in, uh, in the preseason of 2000, 2001, there was a Mavs game in a Mavs preseason game in Toronto, and Steve Nash wore number seven instead of number thirteen. Do you remember that? 
I do remember that. Okay. Um, so what, I'm trying to remember why he did the, that. Uh, yeah, I think it was um, for his Olympic, like as a yes. tribute to his Olympic fans. I wanted to see what your memories were of that, or maybe if I'm correct. I did find one correct. little snippet of it online, but I wanted to see what you remember. Yeah, that's what, wow. I kind of forgot all about that one. Um, yeah, Steve wanted to change his number, and league rules were – something that you have to put in the paperwork to get a number change mm-hmm. by a certain date. And it's almost like six months to a year before. So obviously, you know, Steve just spur of the moment was like, hey, I want to wear seven because, you know, my, for the Olympic, for my Olympic team, I'm like, okay. So I got the seven made up and I'm like, co- told coach and um, I think uh, Keith Grant. And I was like, you know, Steve wants to do that. They're like, wait, hold on. Jay, we don't know if he can do that. I'm like, Okay, so I just was basically had two of each and was waiting to see if he got the okay. And then they okayed him to wear it in the preseason game, but said he would have to go back to the 13, Mm. you know, for the regular season. So I think he only wore it for one game, maybe two. And I held on to that for the longest time when we changed arenas. It's probably in the the building somewhere over there. you know, in the rafters or something. I don't, um, but I, I would look at him like, what am I going to do with this? And I think I gave Steve one and then there was one sitting over there. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, crazy. I totally forgot about that. I've got a old Nash t-shirt from that era too, that, um, it, it says, um, hair Canada. Cause you know, he had the hair <laughs> and then hair Canada and there was a big maple leaf in the middle. Oh, so uh, he, he wanted, he wanted that done. So we did the, some of those for him around that same time. Um, so it was pretty funny. That's funny. And then, yeah. so, um, were you the guy that also made Dennis Rodman's original, original number 69 Jersey that they vetoed? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, that's what he said he wanted. So we had a, luckily we only had a few of them made. Um, maybe one or two of each and then yeah. it got vetoed pretty quick um and then um basically you know because he was taking off his jerseys and throwing them whatever arena we were at or even at home yeah. um so we had like a hundred of each made up and unfortunately he didn't stay with us really long enough to go through that many yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a bunch of 91s that were never claimed by dennis or never worn by dennis that or I'm i sure think he, he was actually number 70 when he was here Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. 70. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, there's a, there were a lot of 70s floating around. Um, but yeah, that's right. 69 to 70. So 91, I guess, was his Bulls number. But yeah, correct. I knew it was yeah. one of the high numbers. And he, he didn't play too many games with us, but he was he was fun to work with, man. He like night and day difference from his public persona. He was quiet, shy, polite. Uh, we work out after after games. Mm-hmm. He'd go straight to the weight room, and we'd say, tell him it's time to get on the bus and go. And um, he'd basically throw on some sweats and get on the plane and go. But he wanted to do his workouts after the game. Super nice. I mean, never had any issues, never had any problems with him. I know he had his quirks and some other things that he did with other people. But as far as, you know, for, for me and working with us, he was fantastic, man, and just – a freaking specimen (laughs) as far as work ethic and strength and you know what he brought to the table was like man he's he was older at that time too he was yeah dude you're a beast still (laughs) you know i think he averaged (laughs) about 20 something rebounds for us while he was in the short time he was with us so um so and then one thing like just what's the general process when when players are are traded and um you know how like how does it work when uh like with uniform separate equipment in terms of getting getting 
jerseys made up or warm-ups. These are just things I've ne- I'd never read about or hear about, but I thought you might yeah. ask about. At least back and, then, and, maybe it's different now. I don't know. How yeah, it, it, I, I'm, I'm sure it's changed some, but some of it is just – it kind of – there's not a lot of change to it. Now the I would guess the biggest change is that they have so many different jerseys. Mm-hmm. You know, back back then it was – home and away and if you were home you were home if you were away you were away and that was it (laughs) um and we had a um embroidering company that um we used uh blue moon embroidery and they were in um addison Mm -hmm. and basically um we would order the blanks and order all the letters and numbers and he had them on hand and i'm like there may be times you got to go up there at you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and ship it out first thing the next day. And, you know, I, you just never know. And um, you kind of always hope that those things don't happen. But there were a few times that, you know, we made trades and like, they're going to be in Chicago with us tonight. So get it there. I'm like, okay, we got to make that happen. So um, I call a guy and he'd make them up FedEx it overnight. And um, luckily we never had any incidences. Um, but it's, you know, one of those things that, you always try to plan ahead. Um, I would always take um, at least two sets, so and I would keep them separate. So if uh, a bag disappeared or something did happen, you know, games must go on, right? So, um, and I would always take a couple of with um, blanks on the back. So worst case scenario, a guy has to wear a, you know, an odd number with no name on the back is something that could be done, you know, just to get us through and. Uh, you know, allow that guy to at least play under that circumstance, but never, never had to do it. I think Damon Jones was the closest I came. And I think he met us in Chicago and we were coming from the road and we only had a day, but my guy was able to get it to me. And um, actually, I think my Nike, I think I called Nike because we were closer to, uh, it was easier from Portland or he was coming in from Portland and he brought it, but basically I got it like an hour before the game. Wow. So yeah, it like came rolling through ball boy comes running in. I'm like, okay, we're good. Yeah. (laughs) I remember him on the team and that's another guy I'd like to get on as a, as a guest at some point. I think I've tweeted at him, but you know, a lot of this is, is hit or miss. And so just maybe it'll happen eventually. Who knows? He's funny, man. He's big personality. He, um, he, he, yeah, he, he was, he was funny, always lots of jokes, lots of playing around, um, working out wasn't his favorite thing. And I know he thinks he got a, a few over on me, but I knew what it was up to the whole time, but he's, he's a funny dude. Um, <laughs> and just big personality. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, and you kind of already told me about it a little bit last week but that 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 video you uh you have on on youtube with the guys uh rapping to the the shack song could you uh provide the the background for that for my yeah. listeners and you know i'll i'll watch that uh, you know every other year or so i'll pull it up and laugh about it and, and send Shaq something about it and we both get a kick out of it um his his people actually since i worked with him in orlando um anytime he came in town we get together and connect and hang out or whatever. And, um, his, his, his people reached out to me and they're like, he, you know, we got his 30th coming up. We're having a big bash and we're trying to get some people to, you know, give him a shout out. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I can get some guys to say something. And so I just 
you know, we were flying and I told, uh, I'm like, Steve, Hey, Shaq, we're going to do a tribute thing for his birthday. You know, you guys, we're going to be tired. Let's just, you know, give him a quick shout out and that's it. And Dirk starts rapping on the plane, you know, the, the whole Fushnickens and Steve, like we're all just dying. Like, Oh my, he knows every word and he was going. And so Steve's like, that's what we're doing. When we get there, we're doing it. So call Reggie. And so Reggie um, was a video guy at the time. He's like, I'll go down there with you guys. So, you know, <laughs> if you tell the guys, you know, they look a hot mess, you know, I think they got there and showered and Steve's still in his robe and <laughs> Finley's probably half delirious with whatever dance he was doing. And they, they were like, Dirk, you just lip sync and we're going to, we're going to dance. And, one take and we're done. I'm like, okay, so this will be interesting. So I'm just, I'm like, I'm saying in the background, y'all do your thing. And they were hilarious. And just, oh my God, the Shaq was like, y'all are crazy. And I don't, I don't, e I don't even know who all saw it, but I know he had a big event and uh, he, he thought it was great. And, you know, he's, big person I loves pranks and jokes and I mean he's all about fun so I mean he loved it and uh it was it was just kind of a fun thing that all happened because for whatever reason Dirk knew every word of Shaq's Foo Schnickens song <laughs> I'm like how do you know this man I was with him and I try to forget most of his raps because they were so bad like yeah. that's hilarious <laughs> that you know these like um so yeah it was funny how that all came about that is hilarious. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that again. Absolutely. Um, you know, you were there at such a, a formative time of the franchise or, you know, with the with the tides turning and just a lot of change um, in those six years that, that you were there. Is there like one anecdote that sticks out more than anything else as something that's, you know, really funny or very memorable for you about either, um, you know, your early days or, or your your final years with the Mavs? Um, man, it was so many, you know, really great memories. I'm trying to think, you know, when I think back, um, I wish we had a little more video of the original Mark Cuban show because I remember Mark's that. Got, it was so bad and Mark's gotten <laughs> so much better on TV. Like yeah. it's night and day difference. Like he was like, I need you to get guys to come on my show. I'm like, dude, that's the worst job in the world. Like <laughs> I would beg and plead and drag anybody that would even consider it. I'm like, we're going. So it was, it was pretty rough, but nobody can appreciate how bad it was. Cause I can't find anything on it. Um, I remember it. I, I remember yeah. it on TV, like on K star 49 or something at the time. I remember that. Yes. So that was pretty funny. Um, I mean, there's just some, some, some Dirk isms that are pretty, pretty classic. We were at a, uh, a restaurant downtown one time and, um, this lady comes up just so excited, starts hugging on him and, Oh my gosh, Sean Bradley, you're the best. You're my favorite player. Ah. <laughs> and she walks off and Dirk's like, Oh my gosh, she thinks I'm Sean Bradley. Like, what is going on and his face just facial expression because i mean sean's a great guy mm -hmm. um but you know he took a lot of heat for um not being the hardest worker and not you know maybe uh exceeding or living up to expectations mm -hmm. so that always frustrated dirk because dirk was up there three times a day and it was hard to get 
Sean in there for three hours a day. So he's like, oh, what is going on? What is wrong with like it just him thinking that something was wrong with him? Because like there's not a lot of you guys that are seven feet plus like they don't know that perception. And uh, it's funny. And actually, another side story to that Greg Dryling, who's one of their coaches now, um, he walked into a um, a 7-Eleven or, you know, convenience store and a guy did the same thing to him. Hey, Sean Bradley. And Greg's a little more outgoing than Dirk. And he's like, Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley, would Sean Bradley do this? And he picks the guy up and starts twisting him around and shaking him and all this other stuff. The guy's probably freaking out. And then he puts him down. He's like, no, I'm not Sean Bradley. He tells him the whole deal. But I'm like, dude, that's hilarious. Like, yeah. you just pick some <laughs> random dude up that called you Sean. He's like, yeah. I'm like, would Sean Bradley do this? So pretty funny. Just a lot of great memories, man. Steve and Dirk and Fenn were so great to work with and so easy. And, you know, really they they were the driving force of those teams and, and helping turn the whole thing around. And, you know, I coined the phrase, the filthy, nasty, dirty. I oh, you did? Q, okay, Cubes I like know that. To, I'm sure Cubes likes to take credit for it, but I'm like, so the UFC, this is kind of funny, the UFC guys, uh, I mean UFC, the WWF at the time, now WWE, would come to reunion and they would stick them in these back locker rooms that were basically tiny rooms with nothing in them. So guys are trying to do push-ups, get their muscles pumped to go out on the thing. And I'm like, man, if you guys want to use our weight room, it's not much, but you can have it and you can spread out in our locker room. And Cube told me it was cool. So, you know, all these WWE guys were coming in, lifting and watching their own videos in the locker room and stuff. So I, Steve and uh, Finn and Dirk, they would come and sit on the front row and, you know, cheer on the um, Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever it was. And uh, I was like, man, we should get some shirts like the W, like kind of play off of what the WWE is doing. You know, they have these kind of corny, goofy shirts that everybody, you know, die hard for. And uh, I'm like, man, we got our own crew, filthy, nasty, dirty. And they're like, Oh yeah, let's do it. So I had shirts made up for the guys and everything. So, um, <laughs> that's kind of a fun one. Um, I did a shirt design for the, uh, nine, nine 11 thing. That was pretty cool for the Mavs that they ended up picking mine up and selling it in the store. Um, so, you know, that was a hard one cause we, we had a preseason game there in October and the, the walls were still up with, you know, the temporary walls with just, um, missing pictures that people have printed off on their computer just everywhere it was very um humbling and just mm-hmm. uh it was cool to see because i was actually up there with cedric sabalos and um our old pr guy was the pr director for the um uh for the tennis tournament so we went up and watched the u.s open i flew out on the 10th and got home late the ninth night of the 10th and didn't tell family or anybody I was coming back. Cause I wanted a few days before I had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And so everybody told me freaking out. I mean, no, I came back early and you know, wow. then to go right back up there a few weeks later was, um, man, it was, it was crazy time, but it was, it was cool to see it and kind of be a part of the whole thing. And it's helped me, you know, ex- express that and explain to these kids what that's really all about. Cause it's, it's hard to, relive that or or even make it work in your head if you weren't there and you didn't experience it so um it really gives them kind of a um uh, first hand look without obviously these kids don't even know have any idea what happened then so yeah. um but yeah those are some of the cool things and just i mean so many little things you know we we you spend so much time together we 
travel together. We're on the road together, you know, night in, night out. I spent more time with those guys than I spent with my family ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you basically become this family and it's either dysfunctional and you struggle through it or, you know, you really like each other and it becomes a, a positive experience. And we had a lot of positive experiences. We did a lot of team dinners, a um, lot of things on the road, a lot of fun things and cool things and things that I never thought I'd experience. You know, we played the first ever NBA game in Mexico city, regular season. You know, they do that on the regular now, but we were the first ones to do it. I remember uh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. We played uh, the Rockets and Charles Barkley kicked our basketball up in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, what are you trying to do? That's <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but just a lot of cool, you know, little memories. And I'm sure as soon as we hang up, they're going to come flooding in. Oh, I should have told them that. I should have told them that. So, um, but yeah, man, they just, it, it, it makes it easy when you have great guys around you and great people and um, people that you, you get into it because you love the game. And when you're an athlete, you want to win. That's how I always was. And you do whatever you got to do to win. And for me to be able to be a small part of helping those guys become maybe even a little bit better and help them get to a point where they can win was what I was all about. And when they're all about it too, it just kind of works, you know? Absolutely. I think I just got two more questions here. Okay. Um, One is, and I haven't asked anyone about this guy in particular, and I probably should have, but I thought you might be a good person. What are your memories of Leon Smith? Wow. Not a lot of memories because he wasn't around for long. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he it, it was kind of in that time when everybody was picking high school kids because Kevin Garnett made it and Kobe was coming up. And um, I'm not even sure if Kobe was even in yet, but, you know, there were a couple of high school guys that showed flashes and some of them faded. Some of them did really well. But, um, you know, when we took him, I really had no idea what to expect. Um, he went he really wasn't with us much and then um, maybe a couple of practices and then went to summer league and we had a practice and I mean I kind of feel bad that I don't remember more but he um, went like we obviously have to carry everything with us and usually the rookies or you know or you'll just get nice guys that'll be like here I'll help you with the bags or let me carry the balls or whatever you know and uh, somebody was like Rookie gets to get the bat, get the balls, leave him. I'm like, okay. And uh, he was like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, it's not on me. You know, these are your – and vets were, you know, I, I'm trying – may have even been an Anstey or somebody that's, you know, was just a second-year guy, but he'd been in the league. So, mm-hmm. like, Rook, get the balls. And he refused. And then when they went on the court, he acted a bit of a fool and – was gone the next day and I never saw or heard anything from him after that. Wow. So yeah, I think in the paper they said he had had a little incident or whatever, but um, I, I never heard what happened or where or what, where he ended up or anything. He was just, he wasn't with us long and um, coaches kind of rode him hard and gave him, you know, jumped on him for kind of being lazy and not doing what they were asking him to do. And he kind of just was like, I guess like a lot of teenagers do, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to take my ball and go home. And that's kind of what it felt like he did. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, uh, so. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've tried to track him down and I can't find a single thing on him. So. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've looked too um, a little bit um, after and then obviously now with 
accessibility and there's nothing. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. And, you know, I don't think he was a bad kid at all. I just think that he was, it's a, it's a adult. It, I mean, to be on your own and to travel and to be, um, you know, put in so many different situations, you have to have a little bit of maturity to yourself. And I think he was just not quite ready for, you know, adulthood and making mature decisions and being smart about actions. And, um, a lot of things I try to help these kids today realize that, you know, your decisions you make, there are consequences to them. And, uh, you know, kids don't ever see that. They think it's just, you know, funding games and do whatever. And there are no consequences, but there are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope he did well. And, um, you know, he, like I said, he wasn't a bad guy at all. He just, um, uh, I think was a little young and a little immature, not quite ready for what all it takes to be a professional. So, um, I hope he's doing well, but I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know he doesn't like to carry bags of balls to, to the gym. I know he wasn't <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the last question is, this is usually how I like to end these conversations. And usually I like to, um, if I'm talking to especially a former player. I try to quiz them and see if they can name the guys on the roster from like, you know, either their rookie year or the one season they were in Dallas. So mm-hmm. what I'm looking at right now, and this is going to be a tough one. So, um, yeah, your, your first year in Dallas was the year where basically the roster was literally a revolving door, and mm-hmm. lots of people came out, came out, and yep. spent some time with the team. According to this list I have, there's 27 names on it from that '96 '97 team. Your first year in Dallas, I wanted wow. to see how many you could name. Just out of 27, yeah. <laughs> so some of those were gone before I ever got here. I think okay. um, Jason had just been traded. Um, a couple of days in. Jimmy and Jamal got traded. Okay. So you, um, oh, that's Chris right. You Gat- said you came when Nell- when Nelly came. Yep. So, okay. but I was a couple of days with Gatling, a couple of days with Jimmy Jackson, a couple of days with um, who else? Uh, Jamal. Mm-hmm. I think Jamal went to um, Houston. I mean uh, Miami. Yep. We got Kirk Thomas. We got. Uh, you'll have to keep up. I guess I could start tallying yeah, no, these numbers I, here. Yeah, I, I got. I'm counting them. So we got Kirk Thomas, we got Sasha Danilovich, and Martin Urasep from Miami, mm-hmm. and then from New Jersey, which were all the guys that I had just worked with, which was pretty cool for me. Mm-hmm. We got O'Bannon, Clyde Reeves, Sean Bradley, Robert Pack. I feel like I'm missing one. I said Kirk Thomas, right? Yes. Kirk, um, was there another one from New Jersey, or was it just those four? I think uh, just those four, because I think. Cassell Robert went to New Jersey, maybe. Who did? Sam Cassell. Yes. So I worked with Sam for a minute, and then he went to New Jersey. He and Gatling. Um, who was the other big name that went up there? Jimmy, I think. And then mm-hmm. Fred Roberts was on that team. Greg yeah, Dryling was. was on that team. I'm going way back. Um, Eric Montrose for a minute. Yep, he's there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're doing pretty um, good. Let me think. Um, Harp was there. Yeah, he was. Um, man, Harp did not like me when I came in. That's another <laughs> story for another time. But my favorite, he sat down and had the greatest conversation with me. I think he's the best ever. Super, like, I love everything about Harp. But he gave me the silence treatment for a few weeks. So oh, wow. um, I was real nervous the first couple of weeks. But um, Harp, who else? Hubert wasn't with us that early. No, he wasn't. <sighs> Man, can you give me a hint? Uh, yeah, you got. Uh, how many I got? How many I got left? Twelve left. Wow, I'm not even close. Well, <laughs> I don't think like um, Cherokee Parks. 
No, not not at okay, that time. Yeah, because I didn't work with those guys. I'm trying to think of the guys that kind of got shuffled and moved around before. Yeah, there's a Jordan, few that were hardly there at all that season. So like, McLeod yeah. I had for a minute, right? McLeod? Yeah, George McLeod. McLeod. Yep, yep, he was there. Um, Steven Smith? Yep, I've tried to get him. I, I can't uh, – I think I headache? sent an email or something. Yeah, headache. Yeah, I can't, can't seem to get a hold on him. But. Oh, man. Um, he had a gosh. rookie. Um, okay, who did the rookie have been that year? Um, he wore a fedora on draft night. Samaki Walker? There you go, yeah. Mock, okay. I had him on uh, for an episode. Yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. And um, he actually texted me something about when you when you posted that uh, video of uh, them dancing. He was like, oh, man, that's classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Um, AC Green? No. Not that year. You think Not that year. Yeah. I'm just trying to – like, there were a lot of guys that yeah, came and, and went. And I can name them if, uh, if you're ready to – yeah, let's uh, let's let's drum roll and give it to okay. me. Okay, a big one you forgot was Finley. Um, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was the big one. Yeah, and, Tony and, Dumas. Yep. A, oh wait, I'm sorry. You AC Green was there. I just I totally glanced over. You were right. About Fe- that. He came with Phoenix, right? Yes, yes, you're right. With Finley. That's, that was my mistake. <laughs> and um, was Nash didn't come with them, did they? No, he came the lockout year. That was his first. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was um that was a yeah. Phoenix guys. We got Stacy King. Yes, he yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he was funny guy, man. Forgot about Meyer. the day. Yep, I didn't work with Lauren though. He was gone okay. before I got there. Okay, okay. One guy I may get an episode with soon. It's semi in the works. Oliver Miller. Yep, uh, Oliver was gone before I got there, and okay. he would come up and play pickup games in the summer and stuff with us. So we kind of know of each other, but I didn't work with him. Okay, Jason Sasser. Oh yeah, Sass, little Texas Tech, yeah, local guy. Um, totally forgot about him. <laughs> one guy I've had on for an episode, Eric Strickland, one of my favorites. Strick's the best ever. Yeah, man, he's such a great guy. Yeah. I mean, worked hard, played lights out, just crazy. One summer league and got himself that big contract, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, worked hard. And one of those guys, just kind of the underdog that you kind of pull for. And, um, I mean, he's doing great, and uh, he's he's a guy who I stay in touch with as well and just love Strick. Yeah, he actually can't just believe signed. I forgot him. I, I <laughs> guess I was thinking because he got the big contract. We actually released him that year and then brought him back the next year. Yeah. So he kind of came and went, and um, he always wore 20, and I always thought he should wear number nine so he could be strict nine, but he didn't yeah. like that. So <laughs> Yeah, he actually uh, – I, I – uh, Sent him a couple of his cards in the mail, and he autographed yep. for me and sent them back and sent them back to me. So that was really nice of him. That is so cool. If you get him on again, ask him about two things. Ask him about going the wrong direction on an inbounds play, and ask him about wearing his jersey backwards one game. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, I yep. I'll have to send you a uh, I have like a a gif of him wearing that jersey backwards, and oh. uh, I I posted it on Twitter, and he said something like. Uh, he was on pain meds because his wrist was all messed up, and his wrist is like heavily bandaged in the clip. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Strick, what are you doing? And everybody's like, Oh, look, we're playing in Strickland. Is that Dallas? Like they were killing yeah. him. <laughs> and he's like, Come on, man! Like it was so funny. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, then, you you wonder how you can put your shirt on backwards, but it happens to everybody, I guess. Yeah. At some point. That's funny. The last guy on this list is uh, Jamie Watson. Never, uh, he was gone before me. Okay. I don't think okay. I had Jamie. So, okay. um, so of, of 
the ones that I worked with, I missed Sasser and Strick. I can't believe I missed Strick. And yeah. I think there was one other, Stacy uh, King. Finley and Finley. And Finley. And Finley's the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I was glad was, to uh, get, yeah, I was glad to get Finn here because uh, the crew that was left when Nelly came in, they were not happy with the way things went down and about the trades and stuff. And they were, um, not the easiest to be around. And so I was like, Oh good. New batch of guys. And all my guys from Jersey, this is Ed, Ed O'Ban and I are really good friends. I'm like, we got my boy Ed into this. Couldn't be better for me. Um, other than the heart, give me the silent treatment. Things just got a lot easier and you know, for my job anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, lots of changes and lots of turnover that year. Yeah. Wow. One, one quick thing about Ed O'Bannon. Yep. When I was, uh, that day I met up with Martin and Chris last year, we were talking about his rookie year and, uh, I asked him because I think, and you, you probably had a hand in this, Martin wore number 31 for one game, but then yep. Ed O'Bannon came on board and, and made him give give him number Martin, 31. That's why Martin switched to 13. Yep, and Martin could care less. He's like, I don't care what number I wear. Just yeah, give me yeah. whatever. Just do 13 <laughs> or something. I don't care. Yeah. So, uh, and it's Muricep, Muricep. Put the dots over the – I'm like, what, Muricep? Muricep, no, Muricep. So uh, he always give me a hard time. Um, but, you know, how he's kind of – he's just funny like that. And yeah. Uh, But, yeah, he did. He wore it for, um, for a minute, and then Ed got here. I was like, hey, my guy's coming. He's going to be 31. What do you want to do? He's like, I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. And they actually ended up getting along really well, and they they were pretty good friends when we were here. So, that's um, cool. And Ed's brother wore 13, so it was the 31-13 reverse thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty cool. That's uh, that's really neat. Well, thanks for yeah. uh, taking this trip down memory lane with me, Chad. I, I really appreciate hey. it. I enjoyed your your stories and your your memory on some questions. I wasn't sure what you would remember, so I really appreciate yeah. You, uh, Thank you too. I, I at my age, I try to do the best I can to remember, and there's uh, you know, probably a lot more than I forget than I remember. But it's um, it is fun to um, sit down with these guys when you run into each other, or you know, I saw Finn last season and just kind of catching up and. Um, they'll remind me of things that I didn't remember and I'll remind them of things that they didn't remember. And it's always, it's always great to catch up with those guys and um, a lot of great guys and a lot of great memories. So I, I appreciate you uh, taking me down that uh, memory lane a little bit too. So it's, it's been fun. I really appreciate it. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'll shoot you a link once, uh, once I get this online. Thanks a lot, Chad. Have a great Very night. Cool. Thank you too. All right. Okay. Bye. bye.